my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Mark Moss Show, where we talk always about the decentralized revolution, how the world is, of course, changing right before our very eyes and always looking at it through the lens of politics, finance, and technology. And of course, that technology that's always changing the world, I like to think about is Bitcoin. And I have an old school Bitcoin guy here with me in studio today, Jeffrey Wernick. He's an investor, self-proclaimed anarcho-capitalist. Um, he's been an investor, strategic advisor to Parler, uh, co-founder of the Parallel Economy with Dan Bongino, and so much more. Uh, super excited for this conversation, Jeff. Thanks so much for joining me. Well, thank you for having me. You know, um, I, I love. I've been looking forward to this interview because um, you know something th- that you've been focused on for a really long time is something that I'm super focused on, and that's sort of just building the world that we want. Like Socrates said, don't don't you know don't focus on fighting the old, just go build the new, and and you've been sort of doing that um, through Parler and and uh, Parallel Economy. I know we talked about um, before we start recording a little bit about um, Parler. Uh, we don't need to go back all through that, but. Um, it is pretty interesting, you know, for those that don't know, maybe you can kind of just fill us in a little bit. You jumped in to kind of advise Parler, but then they drew a lot of heat and got canceled. Um, yes. Maybe you just kind of run us through that that experience. Well, the, the uh, first I can say I predicted it would happen when I when I first uh, invested in Parler. And maybe I should give a little background on how we even got to the point. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, in, 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 in 20, I basically lived my life as a, as a, as a, as a, as a very private person. Uh, in, in 2016, uh, election night, I had a bunch of friends together. I had, I had placed a bet uh, that uh, Trump would lose the popular vote, win the electoral vote. And so all the people on the other side of the bet, I hosted a dinner. 
so that I thought that uh, they could have a good opportunity to cry after the outcome <laughs> they had hoped for didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so after, uh, as the dinner was wrapping up, uh, you know, I, I asked the question. I said, I'm asking a serious question. And the question I asked was, who lost tonight? So people said, oh, Jeff, don't rub it in. We know Hillary lost. I said, no. I said, I'm, I'm asking a more, a more serious question. I said, today, free speech died. I said, this, all, the free, all the platforms that describe themselves as free speech platforms will no longer embrace free speech. So they, Was this they, in 2020 they, they were, or they, 2016? 2016. Okay. So, um, so in, in 2019, several of the people who were at that dinner but, had but, told but, me— But, but know, before we go back, what, what was it that happened in 2016 that, that you made that statement over? Because I, I, I felt that, uh, that, uh, that, that, that the people, that the Trump victory was something that many people thought was incredulous and, uh, and that what enabled the victory was his use of social media. Mm. And therefore, the social media platforms who could not contemplate that he would actually be president, you know, would no longer embrace, you know, the type of somewhat free speech absolutism that they had reasonably embraced prior to 2016. So I, I thought they would all get into what's now considered, what's now called the content moderation business. Right. So, so because, so because, so, so because an anti-establishment uh, person like Trump came and out of nowhere and 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 rose to presidency, which was not in their plans, um, they realized that they had somehow lost control of the narrative. And so you're saying that you're like, well, they realized that, so they knew that they were going to have to regain control somehow, and that would be through censorship. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So. Uh, you know, so so in 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 2019, I had several people who were very well aware of my position, and the fact that also that I have a reputation for funding things that most people are not willing to put money into. At the same time, uh, I had people approach me about funding uh, Gab and funding Parler. So I met with Andrew Torba, uh, and I and I met with uh, John Mates. Uh, my my judgment about uh, Torber at the time described himself as a as a uh, as a Bitcoin loving libertarian, uh, and uh, uh, John Mage just described himself as a libertarian. Uh, they all seemed commit reasonably committed to free speech. Uh, I, I can't say I did extensive due diligence because I didn't, uh, but uh, at least from the limited due diligence I did, you know, I, I saw that they were the only real quote you know, free speech platforms out there, uh, you know, I re and uh, so I, I, I think I gave uh, my, I had created one entity that, that gave Parler about a million and a half dollars, and I created another entity that uh, that gave Gab, I think, about $600,000, uh, so Gab would have enough money to, uh, as what they had represented to me, they wanted to hire engineers, and uh, who were reluctant to come on board because of its balance sheet, uh, and also so they could get the service to be independent. Uh, Parler had a different use of the money, and basically Gab just wanted my money. Uh, Parler wanted me as a mentor, so I basically gave each one of them one. Gab just wanted my money, so that's what they got. Parler wanted my mentorship, you know, and my money, and... Uh, and so I got I got intimately involved in uh, in Paula. I was I was in a daily contact with uh, the founder. You know, usually multiple hours a day. Uh, and uh, 
it became probably the biggest allocation of my time by far, you know, during 2020. I was on the phone with the last conversation with Google. I was on the phone with the last two conversations with Amazon. Uh, so uh, I'm not surprised by uh, the outcome. I, I had always insisted that once Paula scaled, everybody would attempt to cancel it. And I had been an advocate for building a, I wanted to decentralize Parler. Uh, I wanted to basically convert it into a DAO and a, and a blockchain project uh, and, 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 be, and not be on any big tech platform. Uh, uh, I think that given the fact how successful Parler became, uh, you know, during 2020, it became the most downloaded app in the world, um, that, you know, sometimes people get complacent and their priorities change and, uh, and people have a different assessment of risk and probabilities. And, uh, I think maybe I was the only one, you know, in Paula who was, who, who believed that, that the future of Paula was as a web app. And with its with its own infrastructure, uh, and that with a web, I should say, a website, not an app, because I I didn't think Paula would stay, you know, on, on the app store. So for me, I didn't I didn't bet on Paula based upon its ability to stay, you know, in an app store. Right. I can tell you, in my opinion, you know, uh, if, if you look at the evidence that is today, you know, about how many of the people who were who've been indicted, you know, and convicted, how many Paula accounts. How many were active on Parler accounts? I get there that I spoke with I spoke with many people in the media, and I would ask this question. I said, "How can Parler facilitate an insurrection, any type of movement?" I said, "One is most of the people. If you probably look at many of these people, if they had a Parler account, they were using a pseudonym." So I said, "How can you find anyone on Parler with a pseudonym?" Parler had a, a very poor search capacity, so you can't go and find it. Parler did not have groups. People who had used pseudonyms could not DM other people with pseudonyms. So how is anybody going to organize anything on Parler? Right. I said, nobody is organizing anything on Parler. It just explained to me, how is it going to happen? Right. How is somebody going to find a group of people and communicate with a group of people that they can't create a group? Okay, They can't DM each other. You know, So how are they going to recognize each other and coordinate activities with each other? No, they're going to have to go to Signal, Telegram, other other platforms that facilitate the making of groups and encrypted and encrypted communications. Yeah. You know, Paula, Paula didn't have those attributes. So why do you think Paula is any sort of threat? All Paula has is a whole bunch of people expressing their point of view and they're expressing it. And hopefully a few people will read it. But there's no organizational capacity that's ever going to happen on Paula. So, um, uh, you know, so it was clear to me. You know, that in my opinion, you know, these are just people who bear. I have a very simple uh, speculation on what happened. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's, uh, let's, days- let's, let's talk about that when we come back. I got to take a really quick break, but I'd love to hear that. So everybody listening, we're going to take a quick break. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. Um, sit, sitting down, joined by uh, with Jeffrey Wernick, and we're talking about Parler, but we're really talking about censorship and freedom and tech and government. So we're going to come back and hear more about the summary from that in a second. I got to take a really quick break, though, but we'll be right back. Don't go away. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. 
They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like... Meh. Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. All right, welcome back. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. I'm joined by Jeffrey Wernick. We're talking about censorship. We're talking about uh, government coercion, and we're talking about parlor specifically. So, Jeff, before the break, you were about to kind of give us that little quick summary of, of what you saw there. Uh, what I what I what I think happened is I learned this after the fact, but when uh, when we had meetings after when Paula had meetings after uh, it was deplatformed and was discussing whether there were anything that they could take legal actions against. So there were calls with an attorney that uh, Rebecca Mercer hired, and and we were all on the phone with calls and all discussing all the communications. And I learned in one of those calls that someone from Amazon made contact with, uh, with John Mates, the, the founder of Parler, as, as John described in these calls. And basically, uh, this person from Amazon, this was like two or three days before Amazon uh, uh, annihilated Parler, uh, they asked John Mates if, if, uh, if Trump was coming on to Parler. Uh, so John, from what I recall, John said, yes, Trump was coming on to Parler, and, and that he expected like 20, 25 million more, you know, uh, users at more accounts, uh, which basically would have a little more than doubled the size of Parler uh, to join Parler. So I think I think they were fishing. This is right after Trump got got removed from every other platform. So so I, I in my opinion, and again, this is a speculation. The target was Trump. Right. At that point in time, they didn't want Trump to have another platform. Uh, and. Uh, Paula was already was the most downloaded app in the world. Uh, they wanted to stop Trump, in my opinion. And so they wanted to make sure Trump did not have a voice. And the best place for him to have a voice would have been Paula because Paula had the capacity for scaling. Uh, and and I think that they wanted to prevent that. Yeah. So so I, I, I that's that's I so I it's don't not, think necessarily <laughs> the fear was Paula. I think the fear was Trump yeah. being able to have you know, a platform that large to continue yeah. to express his opinions. It's not a far-fetched uh, assumption. You know, we have uh, uh, 
video recording of Biden saying, if Trump runs again, we're going to do everything we can to stop him. And now he has like 80 indictments. So <laughs> uh, we can see we can see where that's headed. But, um, you know, I appreciate you setting that up for us, you know, when for everybody not really tuned in when when um, when that happened and to, to the point of the story, then Amazon basically kicked it out. The App Store kicked it out. Amazon server shut it down. And that leads us back to the topic that I really wanted to talk about, which was so in 2016, you saw Trump went in and you go, oh, shoot, this is the end of free speech. And you had written some articles and you had talked about how our system has a trust deficit and yes. there's distrust, distrust in media and partisan politics. And so I think this all ties in the way that I'm seeing it because they need to control the narrative and they want us to trust them. But the Internet has created a way where we can get all the information and now it creates distrust. What were you talking about when you're talking about the system having a trust deficit? I think I think, you know, you have I, I've I've argued for a long time that there's no such thing as a trusted third party. So given the fact that I think that you have no such thing as a trusted part third party, because to the extent that we delegate, anoint, uh, you know, trope uh, or legislate trusted third parties, then the interest of that trusted third party is to preserve is to preserve its monopoly status as, a, quote, a trusted third party. So and they get that mostly by force, not by, you know, being transparent, you know, in a way that would further uh, make people trust. So uh, so, you know, for me, I think I think the the the, the only opportunity we have in, in building a society uh, is with trustless technology and peer to peer relationships. You know, I think I think that uh, and to the extent that if we are going to have gatekeepers, that there's a choice that people can choose their gatekeeper rather having those gatekeepers chosen for them. So, so anyone, you know, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. So to the extent that once you have a gatekeeper, you know, typically like, you know, like most people, when they have positions of authority, they get co-opted by some special interest and they begin to represent that special interest. Mm -hmm. So to expect any person to remain neutral Okay. The only the only way the only way to have neutrality is through competition, not regulation. Is through choice. Is giving people options. So the only way the only way we'll have neutrality is decisions made voluntarily in the marketplace. You know, not through not through coercion and, and force. Which means that we have to not. It means that we have to eliminate friction wherever exists. So so uh, you know so we have to be able to create these platforms that are. That are that that eliminate friction, and I think is the more we eliminate friction, you know, the more we will enhance trust. And obviously, those people who are in the business of mediating trust through them do not want to see, you know, that model evolve because that's a great threat to them, and they and they want to preserve, you know, the perks of 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 of, of, they, of the privileges that they currently enjoy. Right. So, to the extent that they have to convince everyone. In the absence of a gatekeeper, there's chaos. To fear the absence of a gatekeeper, that the gatekeeper is the adult in the room, and that and that we're in that we're going to be in a Hobbesian state of war, man against man, woman against woman, you know, person against person, in a constant state of war. And the only thing that prevents that are the gatekeepers. So, so that's how that's how they have to demonize, you know, anyone who challenges the gatekeeper model. Is they have to sell fear. Uh, and the consequences of their not being gatekeepers, 
and 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 so I think that uh, I, I, I I do not and and given the fact that we now have you know greater access to information you know we have we we, we it's easier for us to find learn the number of ways why we can't trust and shouldn't trust the people who tell us we should trust them. Right. Well, we have these trusted third parties. We have uh, the central bank managing our money. Of course, we have no transparency, and they've proven time and time again we can't trust them. We have Facebook, trusted third party, but again, steals our data, mismanages it. We see that. We have Wells Fargo, and they're constantly um, putting fake bank accounts on there. So over and over and over, we see, to your point, these trusted third parties uh, violate that trust. And so we find out over and over again, and, and it's easy if you just understand that human nature to the point that you're making is always going to want to take control, maintain that power. And then so thereby they start to violate that trust. You talked about um, how really like the way that the United States and the Constitution was set up was a way so that it we didn't have to trust, or I think, or it, it prevented these big trusted third parties from being formed in sort of this decentralized, trustless manner where you had like these checks and balances. Yes, and uh, checks and balances that we, to a great extent, the Supreme Court, which was supposed to be the least dangerous branch, that that might be the most dangerous branch, you know, has has eroded, you know, most of our inalienable rights. You now have people going to the courts that will not willing that will not overtly acknowledge that we have that we even have and possess inalienable rights. And so, if we get people who who who, who challenge the concept that we don't have inalienable rights, you know, then then that, that that's that's the most fundamental thing. You know, in the, in the Constitution is our property rights and our inalienable rights. James Madison said we have rights in our property and property in our rights. So I, I think I think I, you know I think that's a very very important concept because our our rights are also our property. So and the, and the and the, and and we're, and we're told that, not, that that there's a takings clause that says the only time you know a right can be taken away from us is if it serves some public utility. And we're compensated for it. I got to stop you there for a second. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. I'm talking with Jeffrey Warnick. We're talking about the loss of trust in our institutions. And we're going to come back and talk about some ways that we think we could restore this. I got to take a very quick break. Don't go away. I'll be right back. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb. Tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. 
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, welcome back. If you just tune in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. I'm sitting down with Jeffrey Wernick. We are talking about um, the loss of trust in these institutions. And uh, right before the break, we were talking about how um, the branches of government were supposed to be decentralized and have this checks and balances, uh, but they've been sort of moving more and more and more into this single party rule and really just one division. I mean, you hear the rhetoric all the time, specifically coming from one side of the aisle right now today about packing the court. The Supreme Court has become activist judges and we need to overrule them or we need to make them irrelevant. And and so those are things I, I guess that you're saying that I'm seeing where they're trying to really consolidate that power down. Both parties are really kind of like this uniparty. And so they can have absolute control. I mean, is that kind of what you're seeing? Yes. Yeah. And and I, I guess, you know, at the end of the day, there's just really no way to at, at some point we always have to have we're always going to have to place faith or trust in something, in some sort of institution. Um, and so I guess it's just a matter of um, limiting the amount of faith or trust that we have to um, give to that person. Um, and, I, and, and you made a great quote. I wrote it down. You said, uh, the only way to neutrality is through competition. Yes. And so let's say, for example, I love to think about email right now because like with email, um, I own my email list. And I can choose to use which email client I want. So I could use uh, MailChimp. I, a long time ago, I used MailChimp and they said, oh, you're talking about cryptocurrencies. You can't be on MailChimp anymore. So I took my email list and I just went to ActiveCampaign. Or I could leave and I can go to Proton and have you know, private email. But I own the list and then I can choose my client that I want. I have to, I have to trust Proton Mail or Gmail, but if they violate my trust because there's competition there, then I can move to the next platform. Is that sort of how you envision that? Yes, yes. That we got to, we got to, we got to eliminate. We got to figure out how to eliminate all barriers to entry, you know, and then trust and trust the process associated with eliminating all barriers to entry, where so all outcomes are market-based outcomes based upon people's voluntary choices. So that's that's better than any system that relies upon coercion. So uh, I think the, the, the expectation from almost all the founders were that the government would be very, very limited. And almost all of them, even 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 like Hamilton, who believed in the in the bank of, you know, the, the, the National Bank, uh, almost all of them believed in the concept that the government that 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 tyranny was unavoidable and inevitable. You know, if, if you got government involved in money that there should always be a separation of state and money. So if you once once you corrupt money, you corrupt everything that passes through that process of of the of the, of, the, of the movement of money. Uh, and uh, so the the, 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 the founders, uh, the framers were very aware, having studied history of, you know, the adverse consequences associated with the debasement of money and what usually caused people to debase money. The same way we've debased money. It's usually when you decide you want to be instead of a nation of sovereign individuals. So the United States started as a nation of sovereign individuals. Then it became a sovereign nation of serfs, you know, and then it became, you know, an empire, you know, filled with slaves. 
So I think that's the evolution, you know, of the United States. You know, it's currently an empire and, you know, and people are slaves to that empire. Um, and, and, and that would not have been possible uh, with a, a sound money regime. So it's required, as almost every war has required, you know, the debasement of money. So if you look throughout history, you know, what, what funded conquering other peoples was debasement of money. So that, that, so that is what has enabled, you know, the expansion of, you know, the American empire is it's, it's, it's debasement of money. And it's very simple. Just look what happened, you know, to the purchasing power of money, you know, since we abandoned any sort of linkage to gold in 71. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and we haven't necessarily diminished business cycles. You know, we, we've seen we've seen the purchasing power of people not really significantly improve since since we since we untethered uh, money from from gold. Uh, an advisor to uh, Paul Volcker, John Exter, you know, he referred to the new regime of the fiat money regime as IOU nothings. And yeah. so I think that the, I've not I've not seen a better description of our current monetary regime than 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 central banks through banks issuing IOU nothings. Yeah. So, uh, and that's also what finances the, the, the rent extraction business, because the more money you give the government, the more proactive the government can be in engaging in the subsidizing of businesses and, and, and the higher return there is to lobbying, you know, and the more profitable it is to organize people to be in the business of rent extraction, you know, rather than, you know, rather than productivity and creation. So there's a high return to extracting rents from Congress. And for many businesses, they find that's the best investment. The highest return on investment is not going out, hiring a bunch of really smart people and thinking about how you can innovate, is hiring a bunch of former politicians and other cronies and figuring out how you can, how you, can uh, you know, uh, uh, manipulate the yeah. rules to be in your favor. And so if, we, if we've looked since we've ex- since we've been in this rent extraction, money debasement period, you know, we see that we've had very low productivity growth. Some economists call it a productivity conundrum. Yeah. I don't think it's much of a conundrum. I think I think we went from a reasonable level of free market capitalism into 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 rejecting capitalism and embracing cronyism. And why should we why should we expect cronyism would produce the same returns on individual yeah. initiative as, as as capitalism? Exactly. Yeah, I um, I, uh, I I went and took almost a month uh, and traveled Europe with my uh, with my family this summer about a month ago. Went through Italy and and uh, and Greece. And in Italy, um, you know, seeing what was built, you know, thousands of years ago in Rome, and then we spent quite a bit of time in Florence, which is kind of the birthplace of the modern monetary system. And you know, it also had the Florin coin, which was the longest lasting gold coin in the world, almost four hundred years without debasement. And it's what really kicked off the the uh, the Renaissance, right? Going from the Dark Ages to the Renaissance. So having a coin that wasn't debased to the point that you're saying and, and was globally recognized led to massive flourishment of the entire world. And when I look when I look at the buildings in Florence, you can just see like they're so ornate and the materials that they use and the size that they use and all these things. And I just thought like what, what put Florence on the map at that time was just textiles, like nothing, nothing big and fancy, just textiles. Uh, but 
how could they spend that much money and detail and time and effort on these buildings? And it's like, well, they had a sound money system, right? And Correct. like today we build a bunch of boxes like here, like in California is like stand up, just pop ups, just boxes, boom, 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 you know? And like, that's the difference of like that fiat money system being debased. You mentioned earlier, like, um, uh, you know, separating money and state, right? Um, that's mm-hmm. sort of what the Fed tried to do. You sort of have this semi-quasi-independent agency that controls money, not the government. Um, sort of tried to do that, but of course they're debasing the money on their own. You think that was like that was a sort of a ploy to get people off the backs of the government printing money? I think I think I think unfortunately what had happened uh, was, and uh, you know, and I'm somebody who went to University of Chicago and. And 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 got to know Milton Friedman and and and, and Frederick Hayek. Uh, that uh, I think it was the uh, the bifurcation between the opinion of people like the monetarists uh, and, uh, and 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 people like Hayek, who 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 wrote a book called you know the denationalization of money. So uh, you know Friedman Friedman had initially hoped that an independent Fed would preserve the purchasing power of money that clearly did not happen uh, and 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 later in his life you know friedman wanted had speculated about there just being a computer with an algorithm that would determine you know an automatic level of money being printed so so that there would be no human intervention or discretion you know in the process so i mean that's that's a that's not a that's not a horrible description of bitcoin so and uh, and F.A. Hayek, F.A. Hayek famously sort of foretold foretold about Bitcoin in the in the 80s as well with his, um, you know, no, no sound money until it's taken out of the hands of the government. Um, if you just tune in, you're listening to the Mark Moss show. I'm joined by Jeffrey Wernick. We're talking about um, censorship. We're talking about the loss of trust and we're talking about how that decays a society uh, through money. I got to take a very quick break, but we're going to be right back um, to talk more about what are the solutions for this. So don't go away. We'll be right back with more in a second. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. From BBC Radio 4. Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. 
he says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. All right, welcome back. If you just tune in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. I'm sitting down with Jeffrey Wernick, and we're talking about the loss of trust in our trusted third parties, the breakdown in the money system, and all the problems of censorship and, and, and so forth that that, um, that leads to. Now, when we, we, we talked about um, both Friedman and Hayek almost kind of foretelling what, it might, you know, what we might need in order to solve this problem, which is Hayek said taking the thing out of the hands of the government. Friedman says, you know, the same thing, taking it away from men and kind of created some sort of algorithm or something like that. Um, but we also uh, have that, that problem with trust, right? Um, you had talked about um, like a, a, the need for like a trust revolution. So yes. a, a way to facilitate greater transparency and accountability and all that. So what's this trust revolution that you see that we kind of need? Well, I, I, see, I see really, you know, my, my vision of like the future of how we organize economic activity is, uh, is, 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 you know, maybe people think it might be as simplistic and stupid, but, um, uh, you know, one of the major areas in finance that has, that has not been adequately solved is the principal agent problem. Uh, so I, I think, I think there's a, there's a pretty easy solution to the, to the, uh, principal agent problem that ties into how also, you know, we reinforce trust in a society. So I view I view Bitcoin as base money. So uh, Bitcoin has the best attributes for being for being base money. It has it, it's it 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 uh, it's immutable. It's censorship resistant. Uh, it works like cash in the sense that pseudonymous. You know that people don't have to necessarily learn a lot more about each other. They just have to make sure that that the exchange that everybody's getting and receiving what they what they agree to get and receive. And it's per- um, permissionless. So it's permissionless. Per- yeah. So so this is this 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 is this is the world our founders have created. These are our unalienable rights. Okay. I don't see how anybody can really not think that they're they're unalienable rights. So now the second thing tied to now Bitcoin is now how do we organize economic activity. Ronald Coase, another person I got to know at University of Chicago, you know, he asked the question, why do firms exist? You know, and I would go around as a student and I would ask people like Merton Miller and Gene Fama and, uh, and, and Friedman and Stigler and, uh, um, and Becker, you know, can you give me what, your explanation on why firms exist? You know, firms exist because the SEC requires people to organize ec- economic activity through a firm, because if you go raise money, you have to have an entity. You have to have somebody that has some liability. You have to have somebody that then goes and, and raises money through some other, quote, trusted third party, a Wall Street firm. We don't need to do any of this stuff. We could tokenize all businesses. And let me give you an example. I, I, I spoke to somebody I knew who was a director who came to me for and a producer of movies. And he came to me for money for movies. So I said, look, I don't understand why you need to raise money. Okay. Let me give you an alternative way of how you can go about doing your project without raising money. You need people to contribute human capital, okay? So why don't you issue a whole bunch of tokens to everybody? You know, not everybody gets the same amount, but you determine what people... So if people really believe in your project, okay, really think it's going to be an economic success, the token represents a claim against the success of that project, okay? So now everybody is an owner, okay? So we create a real ownership society that people are allocating their human capital 
to activities on the margin that they believe is the most productive use of their human capital. It's not like I get a paycheck and I get a fixed income, so I don't care whether the activity's productive or non-productive. The incentive now is for me to only engage in activities that are, are productive. And given the fact that I'm an owner, I'm going to want to make sure that the rules of the of 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 of, of this thing that I'm part owner of this project, you know, that, that that rules are established that are completely transparent, and to make sure that my claim is respected, patty pursuit to everyone else's claim. So now, to the extent, then you have the question is, well, some people need need to, their paycheck to live off of, but if I have a token, let's say I'm working on, you know, the Mission Impossible movie, okay, and I'm and I have a job and I'm getting tokens. Well, all you need to do is list all these tokens on exchanges, you know, and then to the extent that I need to pay my rent or pay my mortgage or go on a vacation, you know, then I can tell people, gee, you know, I'm on this, you know, do you want a piece of the Mission Impossible movie? Do you want to be a token holder and have a claim? And do you want to bet on the success of the Mission Impossible movie? Here, I'll monetize my token. I bet a lot of people for, for successful projects. How many think about how think about how much that would democratize finance if now everybody was compensated in tokens and every token that people earned gave every if they needed to monetize it, they could monetize it in exchange to anyone who didn't want who wanted to be a passive investor in that project. And now every other every economic activity that occurred, people can people can participate in every single economic activity. And every and all economic activity constantly has a market price that everybody can observe that market price. So we now have solved the principal agent problem. We've now provided a facility for people who are in bad projects that they're now going to learn quickly the project is bad. So they can then say, I'm going to not no longer allocate my human capital to this project because it's a lousy project. And I'm going to get no return from it. So I'm not going to allocate my human capital somewhere else that might be more productive. Yeah. So on a real time basis. Everything is being constantly repriced, and the allocation of capital, including including our our own personal capital and tangible capital, you know, we're constantly pricing at market prices in the place where we'll get the greatest value, where we think we'll get the greatest return from. And and while there might be disagreement on the best strategy in a, inside a firm, there won't be any conflict of interest because everybody's interests are aligned because the class of tokens they have are all patty passu. So yeah. the SEC gets in the way of that. It's sort of so well, the we, SEC. We, we, can, we can create a we can create a completely think think about like even Uber. Okay, you know the Uber drivers who helped make Uber come from you know a very small project to you know a multi billion dollar project. They got poorer. Okay, as Uber grew, so they could they were the ones the initially contributing their proof of work. They were busy driving cars, getting good ratings, keeping their car cleans, and along the way you know, the amount of income they got. And why does this happen? Because while Uber was growing in value, it wasn't generating cash flow. So the owners of the cash flow, they don't want to be diluted. So if, if, if the initial Uber drivers would issue tokens, you know, then they could have shared significantly in the upside. And if they needed somebody to live off of, you know, they could have monetized their tokens. And I bet you a lot of Uber passengers would have liked to have had Uber tokens so as they're so as they're using a platform, they could be a part owner of the platform that they find a lot of utility in. And, and, and Uber, who prevented this from happening? The SEC. Is there good reason for it? No. It's just it's just to promote cronyism and control over the over the economy. So I, I think the I think these are easy problems to solve. You know, if 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 if, if people can really understand the framework of what what our nation was founded upon. 
which was decentralization, you know, and and that and that and that and that people have to figure out how to how to how to create a reputation of trust uh, on their own with interacting with peers. Yeah. So you know, I, I, an example example I I, I give you know in, in some of the talks I give is like thinking about when you play. Uh, you know, I would ask my friends in school. You know, you played. I played on the basketball team. I also played in the park. I said, which do you have more fun in? Everybody said the park. I said, I can tell you why. The park, let me tell you how the park works. When we go on and we play in the park, is there any captain of a team? No, there's no captain. We choose people because we choose people who we think we're going to win the game with. Then when we get on the court, is there, is there, is, tell me who's the authority figure on the court. We don't have a coach. We don't have a referee. Okay. Yeah. What it's do all, we do? It's all cooperation. We have a system. Yeah. Yeah. It's all a system of cooperation. If somebody, if somebody is just a hacker, okay. Nobody wants to play with them. If somebody's a chucker, nobody wants them on the team. The market works. Yeah. This evolves without any controlling authority whatsoever. Well, it's certainly a great rundown. I appreciate you doing that. Uh, it's it, it uh, the the highlight that I pull out of that is that we have everything we need to run this system properly if the government would just get out of the way. <laughs> uh, so to, to your point, the <laughs> SEC in in uh, supposedly in trying to protect consumers, really all they do is harm consumers. So I'm certainly all for that. Um, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. I've been joined with uh, Jeff, Jeffrey Wernick. We've been talking about the loss of trust in our in our institutions and how we can restore that. Hopefully that was insightful for you. That's what we got for today. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 